0: All right, go church. How you feel out there? You feel great? I like it. I like it a lot. Listen, if you're in person or tuning in online, don't leave. I know I'm not Pastor JC. He'll be back next week, okay? So don't hurt my feelings and walk out on me. I'm going to bring the word today. Uh, My name is David Waldrop. I serve on staff uh, here at Go Church. And uh, before I move into anything, I just want to welcome everyone that's tuning in online, uh, viewing from really all over the world, but especially our Germantown campus, all the way up in a, a movie theater in Germantown, Maryland. And so if you're in this room, can you just say a big welcome to everyone tuning in? online. Germantown. You're our favorite people. We love you a lot. Good-looking bunch of people up there in Germantown, and uh, listen, I just—I'm going to recap one thing really quick. We got first Wednesday coming up, and uh, that's happening this Wednesday night. You got to be here if you're in, in our Atlanta campus, right here in this room, 7 p.m. right here in this room. Uh, the Bishop, Pastor Alan Matura, bringing the word. So you do not want to miss that. Okay, so if today doesn't go so well for you, be there Wednesday. He's going to bring a powerful word, and then Germantown family, I'm—I'm I'm honestly begging you. Please be at first Wednesday gathering this Wednesday because I'll be up there with you, and I'm actually kidnapping Pastor JC and taking him with me. And uh, he's got something on his heart and uh, some great, great things coming up that we want you to hear about in person. And so, be there first Wednesday. Uh, at 7 p.m. at our Clarksburg offices. So uh, that's all the announcements, and I want to give one last shout-out. We do this every single week, and uh, it's one of my favorite traditions here at Go Church where we love to just honor uh, everyone who serves in our military and all of our first responders. We get to live a life comfortable and safe and free from that kind of persecution because there's people who literally put their life on the line to protect our freedoms and our way of life. And so can we just honor right now everyone that is doing that, that's making our lives better by serving. Let's put our hands together. Welcome them. Thank you. Thank you for the way you serve. Never want to never wanna forget to do that. And, uh, well, right now, I'm going to continue in our series that we're in called Get in the Game. And uh, this has been a really foundational uh, sermon series for us, and I've really enjoyed it. Each week, we're looking at a different spiritual discipline uh, that can help us just to get in the game of our faith and not be spectators, but participators. So we've looked at prayer and, and how to pray and why we should pray and fasting and, and reading the Bible and then sharing our faith. And uh, as we've gone through each week, our guiding theme has been this, that if you want this year to be different, uh, you've got to stop doing the same things you did last year. If you want a different year, don't do the same thing you did last year, right? This year will not be any different from last year unless you do something different than you did last year. And so, sometimes we can uh, complicate the gospel uh, very much and we can major in the minors so to speak but I'm telling you if we can get back to the foundation of the word of prayer of all these things i'm telling you we will experience victory that we sang about this morning at our south metro campus and so uh, i'm just really excited to continue this conversation as I said pastor JC will be back here next week so make sure you're here for that but today I want to tell you that it's time to get in the game by getting in a group, okay, by getting in a group, by having relationships around you that are going to encourage you to grow. And uh, I want to illustrate that, and we'll look at a passage in a moment, but uh, one of the trademarks of a sermon preached by myself, uh, David Waldrop here, one of my my trademarks is that I tell really self-deprecating stories, like every single time. And I don't know why, but I I honestly just can't help myself. And so here's a self-deprecating story, uh, just for your amusement, frankly, uh, that illustrates why we need people. I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school and I've always just been a, a skinny guy and I, I've, I've hated it, to be honest. So when I got out of high school, I was like, I gotta do something about this. I gotta put some weight on. So I went to the YMCA. I, I went to East Coweta High School, grew up in Sharpsburg. I went to the local YMCA over there. And, uh, and the same thing that every single teenager does when they have no idea what to do in the weight room, I went right to the bench press, okay? <laughs> if, you, if you know the gym then, you know, anyone who doesn't know what they're doing goes straight for the bench every single time. And so I'm there and, you know, I wanted to get a feel for it. So I lifted just the bar and I did my set and I was feeling good. You know what I'm saying? I had the blood flowing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to gain 30 pounds after this workout. Just muscle, just shredded by the end of this. So then I I got a little bold, all right, and I'm by myself, and I added a couple plates to that bar, and I was like, all right, Big Daddy's about to show you how it's done, all right. So I, I sat down on that bench, I got underneath the bar, I lifted it off the rack, and I lowered it down, and it was sitting on my chest. And I was like, okay, I know what comes next. <laughs> what comes next is I'm supposed to push this up. The problem was I just couldn't seem to do it, okay? So I'm, I'm sitting there. This bar is just sitting on my chest. And I, am giving, I weighed 136 pounds. And I was putting all of my focus in, oh, God, please just get this off of me. I couldn't do it. I had no spotter. So I'm literally sitting there. This bar is just crushing me. And I'm like, oh gosh. So I try to slide out from under it. So I start sliding a little bit. My hands are shaking. I slide. And then the textured part of the bar scraped against my eye. I started bleeding. Threw the thing off. The weight slammed on the ground. Every, I'm not exaggerating. Everyone in the weight room looked at me and was just like shaking my head. This ginormous just jacked dude. He looks a lot like me right now. This guy, now you laugh. Okay. But this enormous just jack dude comes up to me. He's like, hey, little man, you don't need to do this without a spotter. And I was just like, yes, sir. So I was, I meant it was like the worst. My face and my pride was scarred forever. And I have never been back inside that YMCA ever again, because I don't want anyone to recognize me as the loser that couldn't lift the weight. And that's what happens though. That's what happens when you try to go about something difficult without anyone surrounding you, without someone spotting you. And if it's difficult to lift a weight, how much more difficult is it to walk this very narrow path the way that Jesus outlined for us? It is is very, very difficult. And so today I want to preach to you about why we need to be in a group. And we're going to look at this story of, uh, of a time where Jesus was beginning his ministry and then a person's life was forever changed because of the group of people he chose to surround himself with. So I'll read the whole passage and then later we're going to pick it apart. But stay tuned in as we read the story. If you didn't grow up in church, this story is crazy. Like if you're not numb to this story, this story is wild. Uh, so let's, let's tune in here. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So he's gaining a lot of popularity in his ministry. It's early on in his ministry. So many people gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. This huge crowd is forming. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. So four people are carrying this paralyzed guy on a mat in this crowded area... Since, the, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Literally start sawing a hole in the roof above Jesus. And after digging completely through it, they lowered the mat. Just I'm, I'm picturing it in my head. You got, when you read the Bible, you've got to try to imagine what's happening. So I'm just picturing Jesus preaching similar to how I'm doing right now. And this whole busting through and just re re you know like just one person just coming a little bit lower they're lowering the mat that this man was lying on and when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven and then I'm going to skip a couple of verses to get to the very end this is what Jesus told that man I tell you get up take your mat and go home so then He did. The paralyzed man got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this, ever. It's the most incredible thing we've ever seen. And today, I want to dedicate this sermon to the people that are in this room and tuning in online, that you have grown content and even comfortable with remaining anonymous in the crowd. You're you're in the crowd, you're blending in, you're on the outskirts of the crowd. Maybe you don't feel comfortable getting more connected, but you don't have people surrounding you. You've stayed content sitting in the crowd. And here's here's my, my whole thesis for this sermon right here is this. Being in a group, being in a group is way better than being in the crowd. And today I'm going to give you three reasons as we pick apart this passage. I'm going to give you just three reasons why being in a group surrounded by relationships of godly people is way better than remaining anonymous sitting out there in the crowd. So let's look at the beginning of this story again. There were so many people gathered that there was no room left. Not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by the four of them. Now listen to me. I'm going to do my best to keep this sermon positive, okay? Because I have this kind of people-pleaser mindset. I want you to like me, okay? I'm your friend. I I love you. But I, I can't pass over this because there's something happening in this passage that's still happening in the church in America today that really, really bothers me. And I'm not preaching down to you because I'm guilty of doing this at times. But this right here, the fact that there was no room left, that should bother us. That should bother us. There is a paralyzed man that is literally dying to get to Jesus. And because the crowd was so big and didn't care at all about this paralyzed man, the crowd made no room for him. The people closest to Jesus, closest to him, didn't want to make any room. The people that should have ushered this paralyzed man to the front so that Jesus could heal this man didn't make any room at all, this is the same thing happening in the church in America today. Now, while there may be seats that are empty in auditoriums in Germantown and right here in this building, what we have done is we have created a culture where we say, listen, you've gotta be part of the crowd. You've gotta blend in with us. You gotta think like us. We don't want any sinners in our midst. We don't want any people that think differently or look differently in our midst. So there's no room here. You figure it out because what we like is we like when everyone is here that's healthy. We want all the healthy people to be in the house of God because it feels better when we're surrounded by a bunch of Christians and and healthy people. We don't want those, those sinners. We don't want those people that vote differently, that think differently to surround us. And this grieves the heart of God. It grieves the heart of God, but we're blocking people out. Does it bother you at all? that there are people that feel spiritually hopeless and even fleeing from their faith because they don't believe they're allowed to access Jesus because we've told them they don't qualify. That crowd said, you know what, no, Jesus is preaching for the healthy people right now, godly people. This is a godly man. Godly people should be surrounding him, and they made that up. That was not Jesus's ministry. The same thing we do in the church America today would be the equivalent of saying, we don't want sick people in the hospital. We need to make sure the hospital is a safe place so that healthy people don't get sick. And that is the opposite. And later Jesus would go on to say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. So if you're sitting in here and you're a believer, you need to ask yourself, are you taking up space or are you making space for somebody? Even if you're not a part of the problem, come on. Listen, even, and I feel like this crowd would respond to me and they would say, well, listen, I didn't hurt this guy. I didn't tell this guy he wasn't allowed. I didn't, I didn't make this guy paralyzed. Like, that's not my problem. Okay, I, I get that, and I hear that. But here's the thing. This man needed to get to Jesus. And if you weren't helping him get there, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And if it doesn't bother you that there's people out there dying and without knowing Jesus, that should irk us. It should bother us. It should keep us up at night. It's the whole reason I want to be in ministry is because I don't want people to give up on their faith. Let's be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Because if this man wasn't in a group, he would have spent his whole life hopeless and dying outside the crowd. He would have died a hopeless death. But because he was in a group, he experienced life. And that's the first thing I want to tell you. I'm gonna give you three reasons that being in a group is better than being just anonymous in the crowd. Here's the first one. When crowds keep you out, groups will carry you in. When crowds keep you out, when you're scared of the crowd, when you feel like you don't fit into the crowd, when you feel like you don't have access, groups say, No, 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 no. How you doing? How do you feel? What's your question? What do you need? What are you struggling with? What's got you depressed? What's got you discouraged? Groups will carry you into Jesus when you don't have the strength to get there on your own. When the crowd doesn't make room for you, a group of people will. And there's some of you listening to this sermon right now, and spiritually, you feel paralyzed and you don't want anyone to know, but you're wrestling with your faith. Because the past two years of your life have been absolute hell. You've lost people that you love. Uh, Man, last week I did my, my grandmother's funeral. Last week. This has been hard. These last two years have been hard. I know they've been hard for me. And for some of you, man, I was here in both gatherings during the worship. And I could feel the heaviness as we sang about victory. About how you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Listen, I feel that. And for some of you, it's so heavy that you feel paralyzed. You don't even want to pray. You don't even want to come to church anymore. You're not even sure if you believe in God. And the worst thing that I know, and I know people in my life that I have called friends that don't even believe in God anymore because of the tragedy that they faced. Paralyzed spiritually. No way out. And I am telling you today, if you do not have a group of people that will carry you in when you're feeling left out, you will stay on the outskirts of the crowd and you'll die in that anonymous, I would try to say anonymity, but it's a very difficult word to pronounce, but you get what I'm saying. You'll, you'll be so separated from the hope because you can't get in because you don't have the strength. That's why you need to be in a group. Please, if you are contemplating leaving the Christian faith... Please, please do not quit without joining a group to try to get in there and help you, to carry you when you can't carry yourself. Do not give up on this Christian journey. I I refuse to allow it. Get yourself in a group surrounded by people that will carry you. Because remaining anonymous in the crowd of Sunday mornings or, or on your living room, tuning in online, it's not gonna give you that transformation that you crave. It's not gonna give you the hope you want by staying anonymous. You need people to know who you are and to know what you're going through. So let's keep looking at this story here. They start carrying him in. And then in verse four, since they could not get him to Jesus because of this crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This paralyzed man had such good people surrounding him in his life that even when his faith couldn't make him whole, theirs could. Jesus looked at the faith of his friends and healed him. Do you have people in your life like that? Like, who are the people closest to you? What do you guys talk about? Is it negative? Is it sinful? Is it repulsive? Is it discouraging? Or do you have people that their faith is literally getting you through the hell that you've been through? Do you have people like that? And if you don't, start here, start here. Not because Go Church is a perfect place, but because we're all people that have probably gone through similar things that you have. One thing one of my favorite preachers always says is, uh, you are unique, but your situation is not you are unique. You are special. You have a purpose, but your situation is not. I guarantee you someone in this room has been through it before, but if you stay sitting in rows, you don't get to hear their story and how they overcame and how they experienced victory. You'll sit in rows and you'll die in your hopelessness because you're not hearing anyone else's story. Get in a group. Their faith healed this man, and I try to to put myself in the perspective of the crowd and what they were thinking as this huge distraction starts coming in the middle of Jesus's sermon. I bet the crowd sounded like what a lot of us sound like, which is, this is a holy man preaching. This is Jesus talking. Why are these people being so rude and distracting when Jesus is talking? How disrespectful could they be to destroy someone's property and to interrupt a man when he's trying to preach the word? And, and they're so disconnected from the heart of Jesus, they don't even get it. That the faith of these men was not an interruption to the sermon. The faith of these men became the sermon. It was the whole sermon Jesus planned on preaching all along. Nothing caught Jesus off guard. He knew everything that was coming before it even happened. And I, the only thing that I wish that, that Mark would have included in this gospel is, what was Jesus preaching about? Because I guarantee you Jesus was just putting it on the tee for for these guys to just knock it out of the park. I bet Jesus was preaching on how he came to heal the sick and he came for the lost and the hurting and the broken. I bet that's what he was preaching about. But here's what I want you to understand. When you're sitting in the crowd, that's fine for listening to sermons. There's value in that and I'll I'll explain expound on that a little bit more there's value in it sitting and listening to sermons but being in a group allows you not just to listen to a sermon but to actually experience the content of that sermon I could preach to you all day long about love people, love people, make sure that you're loving people. But when you get in a group and you feel loved, when your small group shows up, when you got that bad doctor's report, when they show up with food for that meal train, when they give you that phone call because you're having a rough day or they're checking in to see if you got the new job, that is experiencing a sermon way better than listening to it. And these men gave this paralytic man an experience because this is what they did. Another reason groups are better than crowds. Crowds learn about faith, but groups leverage their faith. Crowds will sit there and learn. And again, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. Nothing wrong with learning. We should be committed to learning and you should do everything you can to to get in the room on a Sunday morning. If you're not a a major health risk, like be in the room, Germantown, South Metro, get in a room where you can be in the midst of people. Online is a cheap substitute to what's happening in this room right now. We do it because we have to, but nothing can replace this. Learning about faith is, is great and it has value. But if you could leverage your faith, the transformation that we would be able to experience, the transformation that someone else could experience would be just, I mean, it'd be supernatural. The crowd did something that a lot of us do today, still to this day. The crowd falsely assumed that following God and honoring God was all about listening to sermons. And I guarantee you, if I were to poll most of the Christians in America, they would say the purpose of church on Sundays is to listen to sermons. And that's why so many people are, look, I love you. I'm your friend. If you're tuning in online, I love you. But that's why so many people are content just sitting on their couch listening to a sermon. Because if you think that's the whole point of Christianity, that's all you're going to do. But Jesus didn't say, make sure you listen to good sermons. He said, be the church. That you are his body. That you are his bride. That you are supposed to be connected. It's not about just listening to people who are good at understanding the Bible talk. It's about being in a family need. this. You need to be connected. Sermons are great. I'm preaching one right now. I don't even know if you like it or not. And I don't care. Okay. Sermons are great. I love it. I, I literally, and this isn't to brag, I listen to sermons every single day. But sermons are not the hope for the world. The church is the hope for the world. Jesus died for the church, not for sermons. And so if you will start leveraging your faith rather than learning about it, the church will start to look a lot different. I was in a small group two years ago, and we read this book by Francis Chan, and uh, if you're out there and you ever want to be humbled and feel like you're a terrible Christian, just read anything Francis Chan wrote, okay, because I read him and I'm like, okay, I'm terrible, alright, let's start, back to the drawing board, but man, it was very challenging, and he gave this illustration about how he watched this documentary about this man that weighed 700 pounds, and uh, before I go any further in this illustration, I'm not here to make light of any medical conditions. Uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify anything. There are medical conditions that, that can cause obesity. And I'm, this isn't a, a TED talk about eating healthy and all of these things. But just so don't be offended, okay? Can we just not do the whole offensive thing uh, and listen to what the metaphor is trying to teach? What he said was, this man was 700 pounds, and it's because his whole life he had just ate and ate and ate and consumed and consumed and consumed. And when you consume a lot, but you don't move and there's no activity, your body has no way to burn off those calories that it's eating, and so you start to add weight. And while, again, this is not a TED Talk about your physical health. I believe in what he was using with that illustration is there are some spiritually obese Christians sitting in these chairs every single Sunday morning. We love to learn. We want to gain knowledge. We want to be the smartest person in the room. Well, I can read the Bible in the original Greek and Hebrew. And I can, I can do... Guess what 1 Corinthians 13 says? If you could fathom the mysteries of the universe, but you don't have love, which requires action, you have nothing. You're a, you're a gong. You're a symbol. You're distracting to this. We've got spiritually obese Christians that have so much knowledge that someone that's leaving the faith because they have this question that no one seems to be able to answer, if you would just get in agreement group with them, you could say, hey, hey, don't leave the faith over that. There's an explanation for that. you got to be in a group. Even if you don't feel spiritually paralyzed, someone else is. So leverage your faith. Those four men weren't paralyzed. They could have said the same thing as the rest of the crowd. Well, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Make it your problem. Make it your problem. That's why Jesus came. He made our problems his problem. And I don't want to spoil the end of my sermon, but just hang on, because I can't wait to get to it, because it's going to be good. But listen, leverage your faith. Don't just learn about it. You are not going, and I'm preaching. This This right here is the thing I struggle with the most, by the way. Because I love to learn about the Bible. But you've got to understand something. You will never impress God with how much Bible you know. You, you know why? Because because he wrote the whole thing. (laughs) He he not only wrote it, he is it, he is the word. He is the word made flesh. He's not listening to your small groups as you give your lesson and thinking, oh wow, yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right, David, that's a good one, yeah. And God's learning something new. No, you'll never impress him. You'll never impress him with how much you learn. But when he saw the faith being leveraged by these four men, Jesus looked them in the eye and said, wow, That's the kind of faith I like. That's the kind of faith I'm looking for. I want to stand before God one day and him to say, you know what? You, it wasn't that you knew everything because there's things I don't know and I don't understand. But whatever you knew, you leveraged. You leveraged your abilities and your knowledge to help people. I want to stand before God and him tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. But I'm only going to hear it when I leverage my faith, not when I just learn about it. It's about what we leverage. Last part of this verse or of this story. I'm sweating in my turtleneck. Here we go. Why did I wear a turtleneck today? I tell you, get up. This is Jesus talking to this paralyzed man. Get up, take your mat and go home. So then he got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. There's a couple things I want to uh, point out about this passage. The first one is this. I've been really giving the crowd a hard time in this sermon. But I want to applaud them here. Because they responded the right way. They, They saw a miracle and they were amazed by it. And they gave God praise for it, which is better than what the Pharisees did. Pharisees said that he did it because of the power of Satan. And so they at least praised God for it. And they were able to say, wow, we've never seen anything like this. So at least the crowd recognized, wow, there's something powerful going on in our midst. And that's why I don't want to undermine the value of Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are awesome. And this is a, this is a Pentecostal Bible-believing church. If you keep showing up on Sunday mornings, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff. And in fact, if you've had something amazing happen in your life, can you lift your hand and maybe even a shout if God's done something powerful in your life? Come on, look at that all across this place. You're going to see that. And I believe that. But all the crowd got to do is they got to see it and be amazed. They got to see it and be impressed. But this paralyzed man, he got his whole life transformed. His life was never the same again. He didn't just get amazed. He got transformed. He got made new. And his four friends, same thing. They got to look at the creator of the world in, in the eye and him tell them that he's proud of their faith. That is transformational. That will change everything. So the crowd was amazed. They had the right response. But the transformation happened for the paralyzed man and his four friends. And the other thing I want to point out to you is this that the miracle took place after the paralyzed man was obedient to the command of Jesus. Jesus said, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the paralyzed man did exactly that, no questions asked. And uh, the reason that I point that out is you you read this and you think, well, of course he did. That was the way he was going to be healed, of course. You're going to miss out on some cultural context that I don't have a lot of time left to give you. But this was the Sabbath day. So to carry your mat was seen as sin, as disgraceful, as breaking the law of Moses. This man, if he obeyed the voice of Jesus, culture was going to rip him apart. His friends were going to leave him away. He was probably even going to be excommunicated from the synagogue for a period of time. I mean, this is, you're talking breaking some cultural norms, That never mind the fact that they took those commands of God out of context, making that a rule anyways, and Jesus goes on to clarify that later. But he had a decision to make, do I obey the command of Jesus or do I do what culture says is appropriate? And this is the difference between groups and crowds. Crowds may see a miracle, but groups challenge you to be the miracle. If you're not content to just see other people get their miracle, if you want the miracle that happens in your life, you need people surrounding you that will challenge you to obey the voice of God, challenge you challenge you. Now, somewhere along the way, and I don't know which generation it was, probably mine, okay, I turned 31 in March, so it's probably my generation's fault, and I know all the boomers are laughing, but it's probably true. Somewhere along the way, our culture in America, we just stopped wanting to be challenged. We stopped wanting to be told that there is an absolute truth. We stopped wanting to be told that there is a way that is the right way, and there is a way that's the wrong way, and listen. I love, I love you all, but I am telling you this. If Jesus says it, it just is. And you need people that are surrounding you that are challenging you to be obedient to Jesus even when it costs you. Even when it costs something. You need people that will surround you and challenge you to, to obey the commands of Jesus. You need people that are going to hold you accountable to these different things. The level to which you're offended is the level to which you're going to grow. It's something I I like to tell the people at at our church in Germantown all the time. If you show up to a small group, or even on a Sunday morning, and you say, okay, well, you can tell me this much that I'm doing wrong, but but after that point, that's, that's out of bounds. I'm going to be offended. Well, you're limiting your growth. You're going to stay that small forever. But if you come in and you say, okay, God, offend me. Tell me, search, do what the psalmist David said search my heart, see if there's any wicked way within me. Take the lid off, quit being so offended all the time, and you will experience transformation. And if you can get around a group of people that say, hey, don't be offended, I love you, okay? And side note here. Some people are just rude, okay? You don't need them in your life. Some people are just mean and self-righteous and get that corn out of my face, okay? You don't need that, that negativity in your life. But if you've got people surrounding you that you know they love you, you know they want that your best interest, that your best interest is in their mind, then I am telling you, you will never stop growing. Let them challenge you even when culture hates you for it. Even when, and I gotta tell you this, I gotta tell you this you have to understand something. If you want to follow Jesus, if you're going to read his word as a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path, hear me, church. You are going to come across verses in there that not only culture doesn't like, you're going to brush up against some verses that you don't like. You're going to read some things in there that's like, oh, God, why'd you have to word it like that? Like, are you serious? Like, that's That's the way, and when you get to those, I want you to lean into that tension, okay? Going back to lifting weights. You grow when you feel that tension, right? Like you grow because of the tension. Lean into that tension. The temptation that you're going to feel, and if you're in a group, they won't let you feel this. The temptation you're going to feel is when you come up against those passages that you disagree with, do not throw them out and say, well, I like the rest of this. That stuff, I mean, in the original Greek, it says, no, stop, stop. God's Word is God's Word. He made you. He designed this whole thing. He gets to say the way that things are supposed to be. And when you come up against those passages, if you just throw out the ones that you don't like, what you're going to do is you're going to piecemeal from the Bible and you're going to construct a God that's nothing more than a glorified version of yourself. A God that never disagrees with you. And if you worship a God that never disagrees with you, guess what? You're worshiping a God that doesn't exist. Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much higher his ways than our ways are. And you are going to come across things that you don't like. And that doesn't mean that God is bad. It means that there's something wrong with you. And there's something wrong with me. Okay? We want things a certain way because we're not as smart as he is. So you need a group of people that will challenge you to obey the commands of Jesus and to say, listen, I know this doesn't make sense, and I know that it defies what our cultural norms say, but if Jesus said take up your mat and walk, you better pick up that mat and walk right now. Do it and ask questions later. Obey the commands of Jesus, even when culture disagrees with you. They'll challenge you to obey the commands of Jesus Even when it's something that's not comfortable to you. Something that you're not used to. Think about this analogy of him walking for the very first time. If you're a parent in here and you've got kids uh, that have already gone through that stage of walking, that one, two, three-year-old stage where they take their first steps... It ain't pretty, okay? Those, those little toddlers are not putting on a clinic of, of what walking should look like, okay? They, they, I mean, they're all over the map, all right? And you gotta put the little Nerf pads around every sharp corner because they're going down, Okay? But you're not mad at them because their walking looks bad. You're so proud of them for taking their first steps. It's such a big deal. I've seen grown men cry like a little baby when they see their kids take the first steps. It's special. It's beautiful. It ain't pretty, but it's beautiful. You get what I'm saying? And if you're so afraid of of obeying the voice of Jesus because it's not comfortable to you, you got to understand something. There's going to be some things uncomfortable to you. Got to get rid of some stuff that's been in your life for quite some time now. You're going to have to lose some relationships. You might even have to change careers. There's some things that it's going to cost you. It's going to be uncomfortable to you, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. And you need people that'll challenge you even when it hurts, even when it's painful. Working out those muscles that cause pain, but it'll cause growth too. Even when it hurts, hang in there. Get a group surrounding you whenever life gets hard. If you don't have a group surrounding you, then you'll have nobody challenging you. And if you don't have anyone around you challenging you to get better, you'll stop growing. And any living organism on this planet that stops growing, that moment, it starts dying. And while our bodies can experience this this death and decay and you feel it now, for some of you, you know, you're not as young as you used to be. You joined that church softball league and you used to be able to just jump right out there and run around and... Now you got to start stretching, okay? And you know it's all downhill from here, okay? Those knees got about five years left and that's it, right? You know your body might be breaking down, but your soul doesn't have to. You don't have to experience spiritual death. You don't have to know one second what spiritual decay looks like if you let people keep challenging you. You need people to challenge you so you keep growing because the moment you stop growing, you start dying. So get in a group, get in a group, Go to our website, mygochurch.com. Go to our app. If technology is confusing to you, find someone with skinny jeans and a cool hat, bring them your phone, let them help you, right? They'll they'll help you out. Okay, we got you. We got your back. All right. We're a multi-generational church. We know that it's challenging sometimes. Join a group. You know why you need to be in a group? This is the summary of everything that this man's life changed because of, of three things, and this is exactly what you need. You need to be known. You know the theme song. Sometimes you got to go where everybody knows your name. No matter how big this church gets, some of you are laughing at that. That brought you back. You're welcome for that, everybody. You're welcome for that. You need to go somewhere where people know who you are and what you're going through. Because this church is a growing church. This is a growing church. And this is the thing that makes me cringe every time I hear it. Well, that church is too big for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not if you get in a group. The church can grow larger and smaller at the same time if you have a group of people that you're sitting with every single week. It's okay. You can be in a group and everyone will know your name and your story. You need a place to be cared for. There's only so many pastors on staff. We can't be at every single thing. We've got a great prayer and care team. And I'm confident they could probably pray and care for thousands and thousands of people. But at at some point, the church will outgrow them. You've got to be in a group. They're the ones that are praying for you when you get the bad news. They're the ones that will show up with a meal train. They're the ones when you're going through that hard time. They're the ones that will help you be cared for. And finally, you need to be challenged for every reason I just told you. Don't stay stuck where you're at. Get challenged to grow. Join a group. And that I could stop the sermon right there and, and maybe you'd be inspired. Maybe you'd feel like, you know what, what a great... Moral story of friendship. I, I need good, I'm gonna text my best friends right now because that sermon inspired me. But can I tell you something? That's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not even what this story is all about. The thing that I'm excited to share with you is that this isn't where the story stops. Because this story is not about friendship. This story is about what true friendship will point you to, will get you to. This story is all about Jesus. And if you've tuned out everything I've said because I didn't say it with enough umph, and I didn't say it with enough fire and passion and I didn't scream at you at the top of my lungs. Can you just listen in at this part? Because this part right here could change your eternity forever. This could be the hope that gets in and brings you out of that spiritual paralysis that you've been feeling. This sermon is not only about four men that tore a hole through a roof and lowered a paralyzed man down. That is only foreshadowing what Jesus really did. Jesus didn't just cut the hole out of a ceiling. Jesus was being worshiped in heaven and cut the ceiling out of earth and lowered himself down when the rest of us were surrounded by our paralysis. He lowered himself and humbled himself. And he took up a cross so that you could take up your mat. And he became paralyzed to that cross so that you and I could walk free. That is the story that we're preaching about today. This isn't just trying to get friends in your corner. I want to get Jesus into your heart, And whatever it takes, whatever damage has to be done that breaks away all the idols that you've lived your life for, I want a hole to be cut in your heart so that Jesus can get in. He didn't care about the damage that was done to his body. He humbled himself. He lowered himself, took that position on the cross so that you and I could walk free. I'm I'm turning off my iPad so now you know I'm almost done. Here's what I want you to know. He went through all of that. And if you could leave here knowing one thing, I would want you to know this. Do you understand how eager Jesus is to forgive sin? My favorite part of this passage, and I should have put the verse back up there, but in, in verse five, he looks at the man and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now here's a theological principle you have to understand. There is no forgiveness of sin without repentance. There is no forgiveness of sin without repentance. So what that means, the implications of that moment reveal something so beautiful about the heart of Jesus. That he is so eager, and he was so eager to share that grace that he was so highly strung to the frequencies that were emitting from that paralyzed man 's heart that wasn 't even spoken out loud, but Jesus was able to discern and to sense that this is a heart that wants to repent. I can tell just by his heart right now he doesn 't want to be stuck in sin anymore more than he even wants to walk. I can tell he wants to be done with his lifestyle of sin he was that in tune with the spirit he was that in tune with the pain and the agony of our souls that he was that eager to share grace. And if you're in here today and you think you're not worthy of salvation because the crowd has kept you out, because you didn't fit in anymore, hear me. Jesus did everything he could, tore down the, the entire ceiling of the earth to come down and make himself a man so that you could walk free. And all he wants your heart to do is just turn towards him just a little bit more that yearning in your heart you're not only longing for friendship I don't want you just to get friends in your corner let's invite Jesus into our heart today that's my that's my prayer for you I don't want you to be impressed by anything I got to say there's people that can say it way better than me I want you to leave here with Jesus in your heart because of how eager he is to do it so every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around if you're in here today and and you would say you know what The the ceiling of my heart has never been opened. There's been nothing that's come in. I've been in the crowd, but I've liked it my way. But I'm ready to surrender my life, to let Jesus be the Lord of my life, the king of my life. Not just the president that I can vote in and out whenever I agree with one policy and disagree with another. No, no, no. The king of my heart, whatever he says, I'll do. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that he is who he says he is and I commit my life to him. If you're in here today and you're ready to make that decision, no one's looking around but me. All you gotta do is just slip up a hand and you can put it right back down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your salvation, Jesus. I see your hands. Two hands. Three hands. Thank you, Jesus. Four hands. You can put those hands down. Thank you, Lord all of us, could we do this, all of us with heads bowed and eyes closed, whether you're praying this prayer for the first time or not, can we just start to talk to Jesus just for a second? God, I thank you for your grace. I am so transformed by the way that you would love me. I, I was stuck in my sin. I needed way more than just a small group of people to bring me to you. I needed you to come down to me. God, there's nothing I could do or anyone else could do for me, God. I need your grace. I need you to look upon me with favor and bring me out of my sin, God. Bring me into relationship with you. And for the four people that raised their hand in this room today, God, I ask that you would do the same thing. Change their eternity. Transform them from the inside out. May they surround themselves with a church family that knows them, that cares for them, and will challenge them to grow. And may you receive all the glory for everything that happens in this room and in every small group. We pray it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Can we make some noise for everyone that just made that commitment to give their life to Christ? Let's worship together today.